these athletes actually Haphazardly is not one part of the strategy gone Development It's all we envelop in telephone A wealth of intelligence Unless you're selfishly embellishing all of the championships Basking it in, let's study in The conferences, Pac-12 and Big 12 and the 10 SEC, ACC, win, 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 win all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming to you under a strict no human contact order. This is Debbie Owner's Manual, New York source for building a, be- a better Debbie squad and using it to build a championship fantasy football team. You can find our podcast at on Twitter at Debbie Manual. Reach out to us. Please let us know how we're doing and let us know if you have any questions. Now I'm going to introduce first up my co-host. He's the best in the West, baby, Mr. Lawman himself, Pete Lawrence. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Just uh, having a fun time with quarantine and watching Tiger King. So, <laughs> Tiger King, and didn't you just start that, Kane? Tiger King. I am almost done with episode three. Nice, nice. I'm, I'm glad we live in it America. Is wild, where <laughs> apparently there's just a plethora of tiger sex cults in the South. Uh, and, and the thing that you really just gloss over in that entire show is the most normal guy. Is a dude who, within the first minute of his conversation, drops that he murdered an ATF agent or watched one die on his property. Air quotes. Yeah, he didn't do it. He was just there. <laughs> just there. I know. I'm thinking I have to watch it. Everybody's talking about it, so I first saw the preview for it. I'm like, that looks just insane and dumb, and I was like, not even the least bit interested. But everybody's watching it now, so it's wild. <laughs> it makes no sense that there's two random sex cult tiger places <laughs> in the south like how can there be two like one okay but two <laughs> yikes it, it's honestly so much of the show there's there's so many things that they could really dive deeper into but they kind of gloss over i mean they give it a few moments but you're you know there's one gal who loses an arm but is still working there and it's just, Oh yeah, she lost an arm, you know, went to the hospital, had it amputated. And and then you're watching her give her interview. And I want to know where she's at. I mean, it looks like this post-apocalyptic fallout. It looks like she's in fallout, the video game. (laughs) I got to check it out. I got it. All right. guys. This other voice you're hearing is Kane. Kane. I always screw up your last name. It's fossil, right? Facel. 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 There you go. I knew I, Crazy anyway. Norwegians. All right. From the Debbie Marketplace and also the Draft Lounge, how you doing, Kane? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on. It's nice to talk Debbie since we couldn't actually record a Debbie Marketplace episode this week. So nice to talk to someone, even though I can't argue with Caleb. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, you, you seem to be training him well, though. I've noticed your, your, your guys are getting better, and he's starting to agree with you more. So I think the training's finally wearing off on him. So. I think he just doesn't want to get yelled at anymore. (laughs) (laughs) He got tired of it. (laughs) It's really all it is. Yeah. All right. (laughs) We'll we'll call it training. I like it. You're you're his lion and you're his tiger. tiger. You're you're the tiger. You're the tiger king. I don't know. (laughs) He's your little tiger. Anyways, don't dive into that more. It's all right. (laughs) All right. So we just wanted to get get together and talk to you guys. Obviously, we're not going to have any spring games this year, and that makes us all incredibly sad here. Um, but we're going to kind of go through what we think would have happened in the spring games. There's some really good storylines and things that could have happened, some 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 
you know, races for uh, positions and things like that. Just we're going to hop into our space machine and enter another realm free of COVID-19 virus in a realm of Spider-Verse, if you may, where the spring games are actually happening and we're going to get college football. So here we go. I don't know. Terrible sound effects. Or do the uh, Andy Richter thing. In the year 2000. Anybody remembers that. Anyway. All right, guys. First up, like one of the biggest, we're going to start kind of with the big teams, the bigger races, the ones you have to worry about. Uh, Alabama has some pretty interesting things going down, losing obviously Tua, Henry Ruggs, and Jerry Judy. The big one, though, is going to be the quarterback. Does Mac Jones stay there or does Saban go out of his character and actually have a rookie going in there? Uh, rookie, geez, freshman. I haven't talked about football in too long, guys. Sorry about that. Do you think Saban bucks the trend and goes with the rookie Bryce Young, or is he going to go with the veteran Mac Jones who looked – all right, last year, but not like a world beater. So, Pete, what are you thinking is going to happen there with the quarterbacks? Uh, I'm going to still say he goes with tradition. Uh, it's you know kind of a saving thing of more just just leaning on that experience, especially if we don't have a spring game. If there's not a you know kind of a limited practice before the season starts. You know, Bryce Young, highly recruited, you know, highly regarded, I think. And um, but I, I he's kind of kind of a bit on the small side if we're going to be generous five foot, I think 10 and about 180, 190 pounds. So Mac Jones, like you said, didn't, didn't light it up, but I, I think he's still going to be the guy. Kane, do you have any thought process there? I think Mac Jones starts off the quarterback for Alabama, um, but I don't think he's going to stay the starter for too long. Um, when you have a guy like Bryce Young, who's the number one quarterback in this last recruiting class and you just add on the fact that you just want a little more of, of an arm to play that traditional offense that we've seen over the last few years, obviously with Hertz and uh, Tua, and you want more of that deep down the field action, that's going to be Bryce Young. Um, he's a better passer than Mac Jones. Mac Jones just has some college experience, so he just makes better decisions. Um, but I think Bryce Young is, is, going to, uh, is going to take that job, and I don't think it's going to be a surprise when that happens. Right. What about the other tag to uh, Talua? I guess Talua is how you would say it. I guess Talia. Talia. There. <laughs> it's probably that. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying too hard to make it sound. What about him? He was a four-star guy that came in. He's a sophomore. Maybe he takes the job. I think he's going to transfer somewhere. So. Never going to play in Alabama. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Like the limited amount that he was in, I was not overly impressed, and it almost sounds like he was kind of just brought there just because. I mean, he was a four-star guy, but still. You kind of get the idea, the impression that it was just because Tua was there. So the numbers on Mac Jones were actually pretty good. He had completed almost 70% of his passes for 1,500 yards, 14 touchdowns, three three interceptions. And those were later in the season when they were playing their SEC stretch as well. So um, definitely nothing to shake a stick at. But again, yeah, but I mean, that's you, you talked about the completion percentage and kind of that gets bumped up with a little bit of action in West Carolina. The Auburn game, uh, yeah, 335 yards against Auburn and Michigan. But when you're throwing to Ruggs, Judy, Waddle, Smith, uh, you know, four guys who probably within the next two years are all first-round picks. Yeah, and I think Smith is – I was kind of surprised he stayed. I mean, he was pretty much the wide receiver one this year by statistics. I mean, it's kind of inflated by that huge game he had where he had like five touchdowns. But he ended up with 1,200 yards and 14 scores too. So kind of seemed to take over that – 
Judy role, you know, the the guy with the big catches down the sideline. They know the more yards. So what were you going to say, Kane? Yeah, I think if we just go back to Bryce Young, I think the thing that he does the best is just he has a really high football IQ, and that's something that's instantly going to translate. And then you just look at some of the stats, and I watched some of the games he was playing, and in his senior year, he had 56 touchdowns and five interceptions. So a 56 to 6 ratio is really good. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, I, and, I think I didn't I didn't do air quotes well enough when I said Bryce Young is a pretty talented, uh, highly regarded prospect, you know. <laughs> yeah, I I just think he has everything that you could want. Just knowing Saban, especially since I'm not sure if Bryce Young did enroll in the spring or not, but without having that extra time with the quarterback, Saban's easily going to lean uh, Mac Jones because they have – uh, a pretty solid opponent week one, which is not the normal Alabama thing to have happen because um, it's Alabama, uh, Alabama USC week one. So that that's definitely a game that they want to make sure they win because I think that's going to um, look really good later in the season as USC kind of beats up on the rest of the Pac-12, at least like nine of the teams in the Pac-12 <laughs> since there's not a whole lot of competition over there. Right, right. How dare you insult the Pac-12? Out here on the I said coast. there were like two and a half good teams. <laughs> That's pretty good. Something we can't gloss over. I mean, like you guys said, Bryce Young was he was the number two recruit in the entire country. So, and his mobility is going to be a key because I mean Alabama's has had good offensive linemen, but their offensive line at time has been kind of suspect. I mean, Tua took a beating at times, and so it was him holding on to the ball a little too long. But some of it was also so I think his. Bryce Young having the mobility could get him in the game. So they say that he's a dual threat quarterback, but totaled about a thousand yards throughout his entire career in high school. So obviously he he kind of more uses his legs to set up extra passing lanes. Um because like Pete alluded to, he's not the biggest guy. What does it say here on um twenty four seventy clocks and at five eleven, hundred and eighty three pounds? So he's not the biggest guy. So he uses his legs to set up those extra passing lanes and to give his wide receivers more time to break free. So don't expect him, as soon as you see that dual tag on 24-7, don't expect him to put up tons of fantasy points just running because that's not really his game. Think of it kind of more of like an Aaron Rodgers-esque rollout just to make sure that you can pass it. Right, yeah, I hate that when they do that because dual, you just automatically think it's Jalen Hurts, you know, or somebody who can run like that. But that's not necessarily the case. Do you guys have anything else to add on Alabama? I think you nailed it on the head. I think Mac Jones is going to come, would have came out the starter, but I don't know if he'll stay there all year. So, I think uh, Tyrell Shavers, you know, six foot six. Uh, they said he posted, I think, a four three nine forty yard dash coming out of or coming out of high school. He's going to be one of those dudes. And, and this is it's not really like a hey you need to to look at for this guy but just this is a warning he it's senior year he hasn't done anything but he's going to go to the combine and he's going to light it up and you know you're going to see twitter just ablaze about him because of his workout scores so just don't get caught up in that i think the super interesting thing is what do they do at running back yeah. as soon as Najee harris leaves because not only do they have Brian Robinson, Trey Sanders, they obviously had um, who's the guy that just transferred, uh, Jerome Ford. Ford, and then 
Yeah, and then you add in uh, Jace McClellan and uh, Roydale Williams, which is number six and number nine on the top running backs. But that's always been Bama. So, Bama's always just really recruited good running backs. So, right, but it but it gets to the point of like, which one are you trusting? Like, if you're in a really deep <laughs> Debbie league, are you drafting Jace McClellan, who's the number six running back? Are you drafting? Roydale Williams, the number nine running back coming into Alabama, knowing that Trey Sanders is still going to be there. Yeah, you take a shot. Uh, you know, you hope that these dudes just stay healthy and get it up. I mean, so all of us are, are college to Canton leagues. Hey, man, that's that's a dude just take a shot on. Hopefully, I, I'm not spending first, second round kind of capital. I, I did jump on Trey Sanders, I think, in a first or a second uh, incoming freshman type draft. But, hey, that's – that's man, you're, you're talking about a, a six, you know, like you said, six ninth in the country. That's talent. Talent's going to win. You just got to roll with it. Plus, it's you know, we're talking about 18 year old kids. Who knows if they're going to do something stupid? So I'm just saying that you're getting a really good buy window. Yeah. yeah. Later into this season, when you're when people are drafting them high, knowing that they're really good recruits, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, they're not really playing, and you can hope to capitalize on that. Knowing that yeah, Najee sure. Harris and his 900 touches every year aren't going to be there. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're going to have guys that are going to move off of. Uh, Trey Sanders dealt with uh, injury last year, so I'm sure dudes are kind of punched out on him as well. Another one you could get probably quite cheap. I bet you can get him really cheap right now. Yeah, so I mean, no, really, really cheap, but you know, cheaper than definitely you could have last year. So. Yeah, and these, you know, Alabama's one of those schools that just cycles them through, just like the next school, Georgia. So Georgia is the same way. I mean, you got a huge battle there with Samir White and James Cook. You know, who's going to be the next great Georgia back? And and maybe both, you know, maybe they both and maybe they'll be exactly the same way they've done. You know, it seems like the last 10 years, you know, just kind of use both of them, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, so that that's one of the things I wanted to talk about with Georgia. Who do you think is going to emerge from that battle, Kane? All of them. <laughs> um, I- I, that, that's just the way that Georgia has done it, right? Is you had three running backs this past year get de- a decent amount of touches, so you're going to have that same three-headed monster. And then you you think back what happened what three months ago when they still had Zachary Evans committed to Georgia. So not only was there then there was going to be a fourth guy. So obviously they're committed to really spreading out those touches and utilizing every single one of them. But I think the main question is, does Georgia all of a sudden have a better offense now that they have Todd Monken and they won't play conservative as soon as they get a lead, which has burnt them numerous times in SEC games? James Cook last year looked pretty good. He ended up with uh, 16 carries which or 16 catches, which I was really impressed with. He guy was a little more involved, but he is you know has a little more seasoning. He they both came in in the same class. They were both uh, 2018 guys. Um, but James Cook was a little bit farther down. Zamir White was the number one back, but he missed, you know, he's got the two ACL tears, so that's kind of something you got to worry about a little bit. So, yeah, it should be an interesting battle, and they most likely both will be very, very good, and both are eligible to come out this next year as well. So I, I don't see And I have one. I have Kendall Milton as my running back three out of this recruiting class. Nice. Um, so definitely don't sleep on him. The The thing that really shines with him is just his contact balance um, which is something that seems like we say over and over and over again for multiple Georgia runs 
right? Coming out of college, Gurley's contact balance was incredible. Nick Chubb's contact balance was incredible. Like Swift's contact balance is incredible. And it's like, that seems to be one, one of the main things that we see over and over and over again with these Georgia running backs. And it's not stopping here. Um, and not, not to mention that you add, uh, 227 pounds on a uh, what on a six one guy? Yeah, Milton's I like that size. <laughs> He's a big boy. Whereas Cook's a little bit smaller. He's 5'11", 195. So he's definitely definitely fits more of the like pass catching back, but can also run inside a little bit. I mean, both of their numbers and limited activity ac- action is is pretty damn good. So yeah, it's it's a, an embarrassment of riches and running backs, but. Is the offense going to open up under, Todd, like you said, Todd Munkin and Jamie Newman? I think they finally have a quarterback that can push the ball downfield. So, I don't know. Pete, what is your impressions? Do you think that Newman's going to open that offense up? Yeah, I, I'd like, uh, I think Kane just knocked it out. You're talking about getting a new offensive coordinator at Georgia. Uh, ideally, they would have Justin Fields stepping in right now, but for whatever <laughs> reason, he went to Georgia in the first place, uh, knowing that or Jake Fromm. Yeah, exactly. Knowing knowing that Fromm was there, you know, you just had the national championship. Uh, ideally, I'd, I'd like to see what Fields would be doing there, but I think he's doing great up in Ohio State. Loads of talent up there as well, and we'll talk to them, uh, talk about them just in a moment. But yeah, I, I'm very excited for what he's going to be doing in that offense coming out from West Virginia. Hopefully, I, I open it up. You know, you're throwing to guys like Pickens, uh, the bevy of running back talent there. I'm I'm higher on Zamir White. Uh, I'm happy to see him make it through the season unhurt. Uh, I I think he's going to definitely go pro after this year. He's dealt with the, the knee injuries, no need to risk it. So, yeah, just just loads of talent at Georgia at running back, you know, just rinse and repeat. Right. I don't know if you got it. Did you get a chance to watch Jamie Newman much last year, Kane? Or? I've, I've watched quite a bit. I think he, he does some things really, really well. And I think what Todd Monken is going to do is – is to not just bring Georgia out of the Stone Age, but um, maybe even to the 21st century when it comes to uh, running an offense. And I, there's just no place in a college offense, especially in the SEC, for a team that can repeatedly run the ball and not throw it past 20 yards. Because as soon as you bring as soon as you bring everyone in to the box and you can't throw over the top of them like Jake Fromm had the inability to do time in and time out over the last three years, it, it kind of just halts the offense. So I think there's a chance now that Georgia's going to be um, much better. I think if you're, if you're trying to knock Jamie Newman for anything, it's his decision making. What what he has between the ears doesn't always match up with what he sees or what we see on on the field. Um, He's late to read defenses, which I think is going to be much more difficult in the SEC versus what he was playing at before in the ACC with Wake. So I I think he's definitely intriguing from a Debbie prospect, especially the ability that he can extend plays with his legs. Um, He's much more athletic than people ever give him credit for. So I'm, I'm interested, but I'm not spending a first-round Devi pick on him. It's not worth it. I don't think the return in value is there. When we talk about, you know, three or four quarterbacks, and that's being the max that we see, you know, go in the first couple rounds of an NFL draft, and you already have at least two that you know are going to be the top two guys, and I just don't see how Jamie Newman's all of a sudden going to slide to be a third guy in the NFL draft in next year. 
I mean, he's there. It's definitely there if he takes it. But you're right. The decision making was that I saw a little, little bit too careless, a little bit too gunslinger, and that's something that hopefully a good t- coaching staff can teach him, but also let him still throw the ball because I, I loved watching that offense. I loved watching him throw to Sage Surratt, and I just I, I thought when I was watching Sage, I, I kept thinking, man, that Newman kid's awesome. You know, like I kept I was watching Surratt initially, and then I really like a lot of what he does. Like you said, he makes the throws, but attention to detail and the reading defense, things like that. Things that are going to be big in the SEC. We'll go to another SEC team. This one's going to be a, this one would have been a fun spring game to watch. The LSU game would have told us a lot about what to expect from this team this year, obviously losing, you know, their passing coordinator and Joe Brady and almost their entire offense with the exception of chase half their defense. This team is, I mean, it's got a chance to, to, if they win seven or eight games, I'd be surprised. There's, a huge drop off in talent. Um, they have young talent coming up, but right now they, you know, the guys that are going to have to step up, it's going to be tough. So Pete, what do you think is going to happen with LSU this year, man? I, I think you, you made a point, but uh, especially the change in offensive coordinator, um, you know, your main guy now going up to the NFL, what's that going to look like for the offense? There's still a ton of talent there. It's just going to, I think it's just going to hinge on the, the quarterback position. So. That's the only. That's the only big thing. Right. I have a. I have the roster here, and I mean, Miles Brennan got, did see some action, you know, in relief of Burrow, and they have Peter Parrish, T.J. Finley, Max Johnson's a really good good recruit, but he's really really young, obviously. Um, the running backs, they have the John Emery, who is right behind Trey Sanders, but then in front, of, you know, also in the backfield, they have Tyron Davis. Price and Chris Curry both had some action last year, and both look pretty darn good. So I mean, they've got some pieces, but. It's going to be tough, man. It's going to be so tough. Even though Edo is going to be, I, I love Edo. He's like one of my favorite guys in college sports. So, <laughs> I, I, I thought about it, but I wasn't going to try it. <laughs> Luckily, I have Kane to just go ahead and take the reins and run with it. So, do you see any hope for that team this year? Like, as I mean, I'm, Kane, what do you think, man? I think the biggest battle that we're looking at is at the running back position, um, because if we if we remember watching LSU last year, Tyrion Davis Price was actually getting more carry than John Emery Jr. was. So that's definitely something that we need to be cognizant of. And if you have drafted, let's say you're in a Debbie League, you've already drafted, you've already drafted John Emery Jr. I'm going to hedge my bets, and I'm also going to take Tyrion Davis Price. And I can, and now I can take him in second third round of a Debbie league because people aren't going to be paying attention to him because they know that john emory jr is the guy but at least i know with the propensity of running backs that come out of lsu and that do well in the nfl i'm gonna make sure that i at least get the guy whether that's john emory jr and i drafted him last year or getting Tyrion davis price later this year in a Debbie draft because at least i'm hedging my bets and i know that one of them at least one of them is going to take off all right, speaking of running back battles, this is a, a one of the biggest ones in the country is is Ohio State. I mean, the team just loads and loads and loads every year, and then they get one get Trey Sermon transfers there. So between Master Teague and Trey Sermon, and they also got the number one. So I mean, wow, this team just keeps loading, man. I think they're going to make a, a legitimate run this year. I really like what they're doing, Ohio State. But Kane, have you heard more about the severity of Master Teague's injury? I actually meant to look that up before. The show and I forgot. no one said anything right i think that's kind of where we're at um, so we kind of have to which which is concerning 
Right, because he looked amazing. Uh, and I, I, when he played, yeah. Um, right now, I think they have to start Trey Sermon. I don't know many people that are going to uh, transfer knowing that they're not going to be the guy. And he's kind of my take. But Sermon looked really good his freshman and sophomore years at Oklahoma. He averaged nearly six yards a carry, caught the ball. It looked good. And this last year just kind of, kind of, eh, you know, not quite as good. But the offense. Seems like it just evolves around the quarterback and the wide receivers in Oklahoma and doesn't, you know. And then he's going to an offense that does feature the running back, despite the fact that Teague looked pretty damn good last year, too, with almost 800 yards at six yards a carry as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how that – but I, I do think it's Trey's job to lose at this point, um, especially with us not knowing anything. I just want to know if Trey Sermon's knee is okay. Sorry to jump in, Pete. but No, good. No. He had a knee issue last year, and I want to know if – he's going to be a hundred percent because that's the main thing that's holding him back. Um, I think is just injuries, especially when it comes to lower leg injuries for him. Yeah. Fully agree. Just, just getting to know what, what's going on with the, with both players, as far as injuries go, uh, you know, we're not going to hear about any of that right now with no spring games, nothing really going on. Hopefully everything's good with Teague. It seems pretty like I, I imagine it's pretty major because as, just as Kane said, Sermon's not going out there unless he knows he's going to be the dude. But it's going to be nice seeing somebody like Sermon working in a backfield where you have you know a talent like Justin Fields and running behind that offensive line. That's enough Big Ten. We got to go back to the SEC. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do just we'll, we'll I want to talk quite a bit about Florida, but then we'll kind of blaze through the other SEC teams. I, I get kind of SEC burnout myself. I know that's where all the talent is, but I still get tired of talking about them all the time because me and Kane are both up here in Big Ten country. And I love Big Ten football more than anything in the world. But even despite the fact that the SEC is where most of the time, I still love Dwight, it. Dwight, look, yeah. at, look at my screen real quick. This is just for you. All right, let's see. Yes, I love it. I almost wore my sweatshirt. but Don't worry. I have the, I have the hanky just for the gopher <laughs> because Sky Yuma, baby. Uh, yeah. So, yep, yep, love it, man. But Florida is – I actually texted Andrew Harbaugh before the – earlier tonight and said – I was going through the show sheet and going through the notes, and Florida, wow, they have some talent. They have some really legit offensive and defensive talent, man. So, like, I, I, I put in the sheet that, you know, it's the Kyle. Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts kind of led the team last year. Then they also got a five-star running back that transferred from Miami, Lorenzo Lingard, and a five-star wide receiver that transferred from Penn State, Justin Shorter. This team's got some talent, man. Like, it's legitimately – I think it's an SEC contender. They are that damn good. So, I don't know. What, what is your impression, Kane, of, of Florida and what they've done and where they could go with this team? I think they have the second-best coach in the SEC. Um, I think Dan Mullen is a terrific coach. Um, so, get out of here with them. Kirby Smart as a good coach takes because you're not going to find him here. But I think – Everything that he's done is leading them to success. Um, I hate to say it, but I don't. I think the injury to Felipe Franks came at the best time possible. Trask all of a sudden became just the guy. And um, one name that we can't forget is Trayvon Grimes, is the other wide receiver at Florida, um, bigger bodied guy. So don't forget about him. I'm not excited about Justin Shorter. I've seen enough Penn State games to know that he ain't it. And watch out for Zachary Evans to sign with Florida. Oh. Ooh. Ha. 
I think I saw that too. That he's that's kind of where they're leaning. So I don't know I if you got any- Florida and Ole Miss. Please, Florida. That'd be fun. It'd be a hell of a lot of fun. What do you think, Pete? You like Florida? Yeah, it's good to see that you know you don't want to talk ill of a, a guy who lost to you know a young young man who lost his his chance at being a, the starting quarterback. But the offense looked so much better with Trask in there. Kyle Pitts probably going to be one of the top tight ends coming out next year. And just like just you know, Kane said it again. What Justin Shorter? Nothing at Penn State. Nothing to see here. Maybe he spikes it back up at Florida. Uh, it's tough to say. You know, you're leaving one of the best workout programs in the nation uh, from Penn State. So, what's the issue? Is it just not mentally clicking? He's not making that jump into the collegiate game or what? He looked great coming in. So, it'd be nice to see him uh, to step up, kind of as everybody thought he was going to be. I know you said that, Kane, but I, I, you know, that's the second. I think the second or third like really top wide receiver that they, that has gone to happy Valley and died, you know? So I'm starting to think maybe it's something they do up there and you watch their passing game. And it's, it's not very awe inspiring. They're not very, you know, they have the physical athletes and everything. So what's going on, you know, like, so hopefully this is a springboard and a second chance for him and he makes something of it. But uh, like Juwan Johnson didn't do much when he got to Oregon, we all thought he might and he didn't do squat up there either. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe they just don't know how to pick them. It's hard to say. So, Oh, I, I skipped over Lingard. It, it, another yeah. player I'm really excited to see get out there into Florida. Uh, kind of just got washed away. But, um, you know, I just stat I was looking up is that Trask had more passing completions than the running backs at rush attempts in 2019. And, and he didn't start the season as the quarterback, and he didn't have a whole lot of completions. So That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Yeah, I think they've got the the defense and the offensive talent now, so it'll be fun to watch. One of the teams that it was really it would have been a hell of a lot of fun to watch in the spring. So, so we'll go to these other SEC teams. SEC teams kind of quick. Ole Miss has a pretty pretty good uh, quarterback ballot quarterback battle between John Reese Plumley and Matt Coral. Matt Coral's more of a traditional type passer. Plumley's like the guy that kind of takes it and runs and is more of a dual threat. Um, not as very good passer. They'll probably end up using him both. But the name to really watch there is Jerion Ely, who looked phenomenal this year. In a little bit, he played. He ended up with 700 rushing yards for seven yards of carry. Also caught 20 passes real quietly, I think. And it looks like he's picked football, and God, I hope he stays with it. So Jerion Ely, like, that's a name to watch this year, if we get football, hopefully. So have you got, any, got anything to add on that, Pete? Or? Yeah, I'm just – I. I like to see a healthy coral going uh, i think you knocked it out with just kind of that you're probably going to see some sort of split quarterback uh rotation going through there and just like you said just excited for ely so just ely on this team that's it yep totally agree man mississippi state everybody wants to make a big deal of mike leach coming in there and kj costello costello is just kind of i don't know man he just didn't do it for me I pulled up his numbers from Stanford to kind of check it out, and it's they're not pretty, man. I mean, they're they're just not. The team had a lot of talent around him. He, you know, so maybe this is a good chance. Leach does get the most out of his quarterback, so maybe it's a good chance for him. And I really like Kylan Hill there a lot as well. Um, got anything there, Kane? Or Kylan Hill? That's really all I want there. I think. I can't remember the guy that's going to be backing up KJ Costello, but he's good. Um, but we won't be able to see anything, so it's hard to judge. Knowing just 
the system quarterbacks that Mike Leach likes, we don't see many of those transfer to the NFL and be successful in that traditional air raid system. That's not something we see over and over and over again. So Kylan Hill is basically the only part I like out of that. What about the Jaguars? Here's one. Do you think, (laughs) do you think over the next two drafts does Gardner Menchu make it through as the quarterback for the Jags? I think he does. I don't think he signs another contract. Do the, do the Jags draft a quarterback this year? Probably not. But do they draft one in 2021? Probably. When they tank because their team is <laughs> going to be awful. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, any of those types. So Trey Lance. Ooh. I'm going to drop a Trey Lance take in here. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's fine, man. Good. Quarterback three next year. If you have second or third round Devy picks, take Trey Lance because he will be a first round pick. I don't know how often you guys watch. FCS games, but Trey Lance at NDSU is very, very, very good. He threw zero interceptions his first year. Okay, all right. And the pimps try to get it to you, dropping like it's hot, dropping like it's hot. <laughs> well, and then you have the the last two quarterbacks of NDSU have both been drafted. Exactly, Mason. So, so you have to think that he's going to get drafted, and he's the way that he's playing is out of control. Also, I live in the town that he went to high school in. So, go Tigers. Nice. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, he's a name that I've that I've yeah, I've heard about and have not got a chance to watch yet, so I'm I'm probably going to end up taking him pretty quick here in a Debbie draft that I'm in. So, speaking of quarterbacks, up in the northwest there, uh, we're going to go to Oregon. It's a pretty good It should be an interesting race. Um Tyler Shaw is Tyler Shaw, I guess, or Shaw. I don't know how you would say that. Um, or Shaw. I don't know, I don't know man. I, after that one guy that played for the Lions this year kind of threw that through that wrench. So, anyways, I, I'm, I'm off the rails again. So, Tyler Shaw has been backing up Jay, uh, Justin Herbert. So, he's like the incumbent guy had to see in Oregon. But then they also brought in Jay Butterfield. Oregon just loves these big old quarterbacks, man. They've got these teams going to these 5'11", 6-foot guys, and Oregon just keeps bringing in these 6'6 quarterbacks that, you know, so I don't know, see how that battle shakes out. I think I heard you talking about that recently on the marketplace, didn't I, Kate? Yeah, so I'm a big fan of Jay Butterfield. Okay, so there's even a third quarterback that's not on this list either um, who they say is in the race, but he's really not. Um, so you don't need to worry about him, but it's another name that's going to come up for Oregon because he was in the exact same class as Tyler show and he's just not as good. But I think the thing that we need to look at is there was a battle for the backup quarterback in last spring, last spring, um, to see who would back up Herbert. And within the first couple practices, um, Cristobal basically said that it's Tyler shows job regardless. Um, so knowing that, and then you add the fact that he's already had a year with the playbook, um, I think show starts out the year and I think probably finishes the year, but he's a redshirt sophomore, so he could be gone. And all of a sudden Jay Butterfield can step right into that. And Jay Butterfield's incredible. Um, he is a complete pocket passer. So don't expect any of that running mumbo jumbo because that's not what he's meant to do. Um, Jay Butterfield, what does he come in at? Uh, 6'6", 202 pounds. He's, he's 
absolutely incredible. He was just under 60% completion percentage. He has really good pocket awareness, which is um, really rare for a pro-style quarterback coming into college with already good pocket awareness because that's not normally uh, what we see with some of those guys. But it's it's incredible. And the fact that he never has to change his mechanics throwing to the outside of the numbers is something that um, people really, really like because you never know where he's going to throw it because he doesn't need to wind up any harder than he already does. Um, and he has a really strong arm and can make every throw on the field. So there's my uh, pro Butterfield take. Um, also, it might be because I really like butter, like just in general. Just I'm fat, but like <laughs> your, your, your propensity for food. It, 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 so anyways, it spills over to all parts of my butter life. Yeah. Culver's puts butter in their burger. Do you like Culver's? Anyways. <laughs> I love Culver's. It's the I best. Me too, man. They're building, they're building one in our hometown, and I'm, I'm super excited. So, anyways. <laughs> we had to get it. I, I, I was going to go the food route, too, with you. I knew you'd. If it's, if it's a food name, you got to go over them. It's not, so, a, what it's do not you a think? short walk to the food for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you think, Pete? You got any? Think Tyler's going to hold on to the job or? I agree with Kane. Um, the, the one guy I'm kind of interested in is seeing uh, if you play, you know, starting to get more tight end premium type things is Patrick Herbert, uh, you know, maybe what to expect of him in his second year. Uh, pretty well regarded four star tight end. So that's always, if you're in any tight end premiums, just hammer away at the top and hopefully they'll, uh, they'll step up. I'm going to bounce down to Boise State and then we'll get back to Wisconsin. I, I kind of put them just because we're up in the West right now anyways. So I'm going to talk about Boise State, a team that's going way under the radar. I think uh, they had Hank Bachmeyer last year looked at times good. His numbers don't look that super impressive, but I was really impressed when watching the games with the kid, the, this head on this kid's shoulders, man. He, I absolutely love him. And George Halani up there too as well. A couple guys that, I don't know, that are flying a little bit under the radar. Halani had 1,000 yards rushing, also caught – 26 passes last year. So those are just a couple names at Boise State. I think you really got to keep your eye out for. So I don't know if you guys have anything on those guys. That team is just – seems like it turns out underrated talent, you know, at times. And I love both of those guys quite a bit. Pete? Yeah, nothing much to say. I, I think uh, Bachmeyer is pretty, pretty talented quarterback. What's he going to be in the NFL? You know, Halani, another really talented player. So Within the first four weeks of the season last year, Hank Bachmeyer was hit 68 times. So you can't blame him for poor stats when you're getting hit that many times as a true freshman. Right. He wasn't Um, even supposed to start. Yeah. It was crazy. And if we're bringing up another name, uh, Khalil Shakir, wide receiver for Boise State, uh, stud. I just don't – it's one of those positions wide receivers are really tough to – say that they're really good when they're kind of in a lower conference because they're just not facing that top tier cornerback talent. Um, right. But definitely a guy you want to look at, especially if you play uh, college fantasy football, because fella's going to eat. With that name of Shakir, you know, his hips don't lie. So it's true. <laughs> oh, dad joke. Anyways, we'll, we'll head up to Wisconsin next up near Kane's neck of the woods there where Nakia Watson is kind of presumed to be the guy that's going to take over for Jonathan Taylor. But I don't think he is. I think it's going to be incoming freshman Jalen Berger. And I think you're right on board with that, aren't you, Kane? Yeah. So I think the thing that speaks volumes is that in both the Big Ten championship game and in the Rose Bowl, Nakia Watson got zero touches. So I think that 
I think that speaks a little bit of volumes, knowing that uh, not only are is he not trusted on third downs, which is Garrett Groshek's job at Wisconsin, but he wasn't even trusted to take a carry away from Jonathan Taylor. And that says a lot to me, especially in a team that relies on the running back constantly. So incoming freshman Jalen Berger, I think he's really good. I think the biggest issue that you're going to find with him is that he runs really up and down. He doesn't ever try to lower his pad level because in high school, he was just bigger, stronger, faster than everyone. And you didn't have to rely on, you know, using proper technique. But when you're in the Big Ten and you're trying to run in in the cold in late October, November, early December, it's going to be tough to run the ball if you can't lower your pad level, especially when you're going to be facing you know, good linebackers from Penn State, from Iowa, from Minnesota that are all meant to stop the run. It's going to be really difficult for a freshman to be able to do that. Um, So I think there's a strong chance that we see Nakia Watson maybe take a heavy load the first couple of games. And then we see Jalen Berger kind of have this stretch of about four or five games where you think he's really going to have it. But then at the end of the year, they go back to Nakia Watson because Jalen Berger can't quite get it done, which I think is going to terrify all of us Debbie players because that's the last thing that we want to have happen, this back and forth between guys. But knowing their skills, I think that's just what's going to end up happening. And I think we're going to wash or excuse me, Wisconsin's going to be in running back purgatory when it comes to uh, when it comes to Debbie players. Yeah, I actually think Berger is going to take it and run, but. I don't know. Like, I wasn't – Nakia looked okay last year. I don't know, but you often saw him later in the game or, like, spelled, you know, like when the game was – you want to see him gashing, you know, defenses and things like that. And I just wasn't overly impressed with him. I don't know. Pete, you got any take on that, bud? I'm not going to fault uh, Nakia not getting much work behind Jonathan Taylor. Berger, interesting. He put on, I think, 15 pounds between his junior and season, uh, junior and senior year in high school. So he's got the the body and the work ethic to really put on some good muscle mass. Getting up to Wisconsin, working with a collegiate strength and training program, I see that bulking up. Talking to his running back coach, like Kane said, he's a very upright runner. He's from an offense that they kind of shifted him around a lot more in high school, and I don't see them doing that as much at Wisconsin not in the the Wisconsin uh, profile. Could he be, you know, maybe a, a bigger slot guy? Um, you know, who knows if he maybe makes a change if running back's not going to be his spot. But you go to Wisconsin as a running back to be the next dude. You know, you're looking at guys, Melvin Gordon, Taylor. They've been, they've been pro- you know, producing some really talented running backs who get a lot of run, you know, from the get-go in college, so. And I think what's going to be really interesting is when you're in these Debbie drafts, people are going to see that 40 time of Jalen Berger at 4-6. And they're going to think, that's not great. And then you watch his tape, and he plays so much faster than 4-6. Yeah. He he plays like a low 4-5 guy. Like, he's he's pulling away from everyone. He has true breakaway speed. So I don't know what happened at that 40 time. You know, whatever happened there. But I don't think you can trust that 4-6. After watching his tape, he just plays so much faster. So you just have to trust what the film says. All right, a little off script, but what do you think is going to – while I got you on here, Kane, what do you think – is there anything in you were looking for in Minnesota's spring game? Like, what were you thinking? I know it's kind of off the script here a little bit. but um, I want to see who's going to play slot. 
do they have Chris Ottman Bell playing slot? Or are they going to leave him on the outside, kind of like how he was more this past season? But with the absence of Tyler Johnson, um, do they do they put Demetrius Douglas there? Or are they going to stick with Demetrius Douglas being the um, return guy? I don't know. There's a lot of questions at wide receiver. Um, they had a four star come in and two really high three stars, which could have been four stars. They were right on the edge for 24-7. So it's going to be really interesting just how that whole wide receiver group develops. I think Muhammad um, Ibrahim become, or, uh, turns pro after this, le- this season, and the guy you need to look for then is Kai Thomas. He ran, what? it's just crazy numbers. In this past season in high school, he ran for 3,027 yards and 35 touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> I repeat, 3,027 yards and 35 touchdowns. <laughs> That's a career yeah. remote back. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And he was the Kansas Gatorade Player of the Year. And I think what's what's really, really interesting with him is that he – some people think he's small just seeing him right away, but he's 5'11", 205, and he, ha- and he will give linebackers pop. And just knowing the way that Minnesota runs their offense – um, which is obviously a lot of zone schemes, so inside zone, outside zone, and just the way that he's able to set up on outside zones, I think is really important because he has great vision. Um, it's the same thing that we see with another guy who's going to be very successful in the outside zone this next year in Journey Brown. Just the way that he sets up linebackers, and he's able to use that one cut to uh, hit that hole and hit it hard and then blast through for large gains. And I think that's the thing that, um, that he's going to do really well. Don't know how he's going to do in the passing game. Um, that remains to be seen when you're running for that many yards. It's not like you're expected to catch many balls. I love Ibrahim so much and Tanner Morgan too. I was really impressed with him this last year. So yeah, he Tanner Morgan is a strange case, man. Like I'm, I'm here's, here's what I'll say. There's now co-offensive coordinators at Minnesota, one being um, still the wide receiver coach and Matt Simon, who's terrific. The other one, I can't remember his name, but he was the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame when they had Deshaun Kaiser. So he's also the same person that recruited Christian McCaffrey to Stanford. I think there's a chance that we can see Tanner Morgan take another step, um, and it's a very slight chance. But I think that possibility is still there. I can't remember this guy's name. It's the same reason why Jordan Love is getting so much recognition. Because he was just at Utah State. So not only have you seen you know Deshaun Kaiser get regard from the NFL and be drafted as a second-round pick, now you're seeing the next protege that he's worked with, which is Jordan Love, and now you're seeing him possibly even top 10 projections. And then now he's going to Tanner Morgan. So some people would assume that Tanner Morgan has to t- has to take that step forward, knowing that he has his extra coaching. I'm a little hesitant, just knowing Tanner Morgan's skills. And I think it's going to be really tough finding an NFL team that runs a similar offense to Minnesota that fits him so very well. Good, man. I just wanted to get your take on there because there's some team, there's some guys there that, I, that I'm – getting in my Debbie drafts as well. So yeah. Nice. All right. Kai Thomas uh, is sneaky. 
yeah, I will definitely write his name. I heard you mention him a couple episodes ago, I think, on Marketplace. So, yeah. I have I, an I, issue bringing up Gopher <laughs> players. I think everyone knows that by now. So <laughs> Randomly talking about something entirely different. So you're like, oh, and what about Kai Top? Dude, we were talking about like something entirely different. So anyway. well, we're, on, we're on one episode, and Caleb goes, Kane, you want to talk about Kai Thomas? And I was like, am I supposed to? He goes, yeah, just do it real quick. <laughs> I'm like, all right. All right. And there's one other team that I wanted to go fairly deep with is um, Oklahoma, man. There's, this team is, is silly, silly loaded this year. I love uh, – they might finally have a quarterback for more than a year with Spencer Radler, who's the, the number one quarterback in the 2019 class. And there's videos popping up on Twitter of him making just these crazy, crazy throws. And the kid's just athletic and fun. And then they've got this insane group of wide receivers. It's probably the best in the nation, I would guess. I would say there's not not one even remotely close, in my opinion. With uh, returning Charleston Rambo, the greatest name in college football, he was the, the top returning wide receiver from last year. And then you got all the, the four- and five-star guys, the Jaden Hazelwood, who was the number one wide receiver last year's class and Theo Weiss, who was the number three receiver last year's class. And then Trajan Bridges who was the number 11 receiver last year. And then also they got another four-star guy and Theo Howard transferred from UCLA as well. So that's some silly, silly wide receiver talent there. Um, I'm worried it might end up being a situation like Alabama where, you know, Oh, target share, you know, and everybody like, Oh, he, he didn't break the dominator rating. Cause well, you know, there's so much freaking talent there. So, I don't know. I think, Pete, you got any anybody you're looking forward? Who do you think is going to step forward in that wide receiver group? Man, that's a ton of ton of talent, man. I, wow. you know, I don't know who's going to step forward, but I'm just excited to watch that wide receiver group. And hopefully, you know, you talked about uh, Rattler being the guy. What he can, you know, what we've seen these tapes of his arm and what he's able to do. Just it'll be fun just to watch that offense. It, it's been fun watching it with uh, Murray. It's been fun watching it with Hertz. So hopefully, you know, now you get a, a team that's going to have Rattler there for more than just a season. So I'm happy. I'm, I'm just happy to watch uh, Hazelwood five star. Uh, it's just it's it's so much talent. It's crazy. It's it's like when we're playing NCAA and you're recruiting every five star wide receiver from back in the day. Yeah, like we don't need any defense. We're just going to. <laughs> so it's going to be what it's like. And this is I mean. Oklahoma's done what they've done with, you know, a lot of people will say that like Hertz and Mayfield and Kyler were all, there was a lot of stuff talk about them being scheme, you know, like the scheme gets these guys open. And I mean, this scheme doesn't need to get this talent open that they have this year. I mean, holy, <laughs> they are deep, man. It's deep, deep, deep. I don't know. Kane, what's your thoughts on that crazy group there? Wow. I want Hazelwood more than the rest. I think Hazelwood just projects as a better NFL player. So that's who I would take there. I think what's really interesting for the running backs is knowing that they just got DeMarco Murray to come in as their running back coach. Um, So I think that's super interesting, knowing that they're having someone come in that really has NFL knowledge. um, I think that's going to be really important for the running backs. Kennedy Brooks was obviously playing much better than uh, Trey Sermon was last year, almost two and a half yards per carry better um so let's see if he can continue that up i i don't want him in debbie though i think he's just a little more of a plotter than than i want there to be um so that one's that one's tough for me but i think of all the guys i'm taking a chance on um 
Jaden Hazelwood. All right, that'll be a fun one. We'll do a couple more that I just wanted to, a couple that I wanted to go through kind of quicker. Uh, we run a little bit long on time, and it is almost midnight my time. So, and I'm old. Um, <clears throat> Miami. But you work I, from home, Dwight. You know, <laughs> Doesn't everybody work from home now? That 45 second commute from my bedroom to my office is rough. Okay. I'm old. Leave me alone. Um, <laughs> like, what is my, what do you guys think? What is your expectations of Miami this year with Derek, Derek King heading there? Is he going to save Manny Diaz's tail? Do you think that offense? I mean, they seem like they lost a lot of people by transfer. Like, I, I still don't, I don't know. I think the jury's out for me on King. So I'm just kind of curious what you guys thought. I want Derek King to have a better coach. <laughs> um, first it was what Halgrimson isn't that the Houston coach that basically tried to get people to a uh, red shirt oh, yep. um, yeah that, that sounded terrible right. the, everything you heard coming out of Houston was just sounded just brutal for the players and I mean you just guys that were injured and, and dealing with a whole lot of stuff yeah. Yeah, and, and so I, I had the opportunity to actually talk to Derek King and ask him why he chose Houston. Um and he did it because all of his friends around that area that you know you, you grew up playing seven on seven with, they were all going to Houston together. So I think not only does it suck when you're not able to play with your friends anymore, but it sucks when the person that's supposed to be in charge of all of you uh, makes such a poor decision. Granted, I think the scheduling for Houston was awful. I can go on and on for that. Um, but they played four games in 19 days. Yeah. Not good scheduling there, especially opening up against Oklahoma and Gallimore just destroying Derek King. But I think Derek King can be successful. I don't know if it's with Manny Diaz. But I want him to be because he's such a good person. But I'm not, I don't have strong hopes. But that was the best choice out of all the options that he had. Like, if it's either that or Maryland, I'm going to choose the U. Yeah, at this point, I think King is, at best, a day two pick. Probably going to be day three later rounds. And just, I mean, he'll he'll probably have a good career. Uh, Just more of a backup type. That's about it at this point. I was higher on him a few seasons ago, but that's a little bit faded now. Does he scream Trace McSorley to you? (laughs) <laughs> more xfl standout how about that <laughs> jay walker baby <laughs> uh, yeah I'm, I'm scared like i i understand it was the best option of his options but i wish he would have went somewhere a little more stable it just feels like adding fire to or adding gas to a fire like i'm, I'm just worried that he's not going to come out of it all right so uh, i don't know I, I like the kid a lot too and before last season, he was really high on my list of guys I was watching. And At least he's playing on a bigger stage. Yeah. Like, I'll give him that. Like, at least more people are going to be seeing his talent. And I think if Miami ends up going to a bowl game, it's only because of De'Eric King. Exactly. No other reason. Because if you saw that Miami versus Florida game on week zero, um, <laughs> that's how Miami played all season. I would rather not ever think of that game again. Uh, that was the sloppiest game I've ever seen in my entire life. Lee. All right, just a couple other names that I wanted to point out real quick. Uh, super talented Joey Gatewood transferred to Kentucky, which is kind of a name to watch there. They have not had a they've had a pretty fun team to watch the last couple of years at times. 
um, but just have never had a quarterback. So I'm hoping he can make something good in his career there after really not doing much in Auburn. So it was a name to really that I would like to watch this year and have big hopes for. Deshaun, Deshaun, it's probably Deshaun. Corbin takes over as Florida State's running back, and I really like that. He didn't do a whole lot in Texas A&M, and he gets a chance to prove himself at Florida State. Another four-star guy, almost a five-star. Like He was a really highly, highly touted recruit. He'll get a chance to take over for Cam in Florida State. And then we talked about Jerome Ford a little bit earlier. He's going to take over in Cincinnati after Michael Warren, a team that knows how to use the running back. So I'm really excited to see what Trone Ford does there. Another four-star guy that didn't get a chance to play in Alabama, didn't stay long enough because they, they make him wait at least three years before they're allowed to have more than 25 touches, it seems like. So that's three names that I, I really like. Is there any other guys you can add to that if you guys want, or is there any other guys you think that you're really looking for that you would have been watching a lot this spring? So I want to hear Pete break down the Washington quarterback room. <laughs> it's a mess. That's the best thing I can say about it. it is Ethan uh, Garber's going to become the guy? I have no idea who's going to be the guy. It it's pretty brutal. I I want to say that um, right now uh, there's another sermon coming up through the ranks. Um, Jacob Sermon's little brother, who's probably going to be better. It sounded like um, Jacob Sermon got an offer and really got an inflated ego. There's, I've heard a couple rumors that the UW coaching staff actually kind of wanted to pull the plug on that one uh, after they gave it and made it official. Honestly, I have no idea who's going to be the UW quarterback this year. It's it's nice that um, Lake is still going to be there, uh, taking over as head coach with uh, Peterson leaving. Very good recruiter. It's just going to be what's the offense going to look like and what's what's the in there. Well, I just drafted Garber. <laughs> In my camp, it's a good shot. Really, it's so. there is, like I said, I, I have zero. I think um, you heard about all the issues last year. Eason kind of not really taking the reins on it, and then just getting. It, it sounded very much that Eason basically was just given the job. It's it wasn't so much that he earned it coming out of the spring camps and summer ball. So got to be better. <laughs> got to be better than Jake Browning, though. So. <laughs> yeah, his his arm. He was died. a Viking for a short time. Yeah, his. You know what? His the season where uh, UW got into the college playoffs. That was the Jake Browning kind of everybody liked, but he got a, a shoulder injury, and his arm strength was shot. I mean, he never had a great arm to begin with, but after that shoulder injury, he was done. He could not push the ball down the field at all. That's like 2009, Brett Favre. <laughs> it all ties back to Minnesota Vikings somehow. <laughs> It's a cane. It's the six separate, the six layers of Minnesota Vikings. It's not Kevin yeah. Bacon. It's uh, or six degrees. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. I can always relate something back to Minnesota sports. <laughs> Any names you're watching out for? Yeah, I'm. I'm just going to throw a few out. Let me know what you guys think. First one, Shavon Cordiero, quarterback for Hawaii. Um, I think he's just really interesting. Super highly recruited guy, four star guy coming out of high school. If we all watch that game week zero because there was nothing else on against Arizona when he basically led them to come back and win. Um, I think after that game, I'm like, all right, this is my guy. Like, he's just my guy now. I have to go for him. So I would – I really like him. Um, don't forget Jaden Daniels at Arizona State. I think he's a stud. Brew McCoy, I think 
seeing how he's going to fit into that USC offense with uh, London and Vons and St. Brown, I think that's going to be really interesting to see what happens at SC. And I wish we had a spring game to clear the mud for us on that one. And then I'm going to dig into the uh, well of tight ends here. And two I would mention is Jalen Weidermeyer for Texas A&M. And then the other one, Kylan Granson. Um, He's actually a senior at SMU and will be in the next draft. I think he's – Kylan Granson's really good, and I think that's going to be the name that um, people are surprised to hear after the Senior Bowl. So kind of like how we're hearing uh, Adam Troutman everywhere, that's going to be Granson next year. So don't forget about him. But those are some guys that I'm watching out for. They all might happen to be on my campus to Canton team. All right, guys, we'll call that a wrap for this week. Nice longer show. It's always good to talk to you, Kane. Can't you tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and find your work, man? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Debbie underscore Kane. I write with these two sexy gentlemen over at DLF. I haven't been there as long as these fellas, but there's a lot of Debbie stuff that's about to come at DLF, so definitely be ready for that because um, we bouts to take over. But you can always find me on Twitter at Devi underscore Kane. I host both the Devi Diet and the Devi Marketplace. Um, the Devi Marketplace being what seems to be the podcast that people like for some reason, even though I just yell at Caleb for like an hour and 10 minutes every week. But um, so check that out. It's really fun. We take a much different approach to Devi football than a lot of other Devi podcasts do. And we just want to look at values. That's all we care about. Because the fun part about Debbie Leagues is you just get another asset to trade when you can utilize that asset and buy and sell um, based off of what's happening throughout the college season. I think that, that just gives you a leg ahead on some of the uh, other players in your league. Um, so check us out there. We also just started the Draft Lounge, which is just something that we put together for fun because Twitter seems to not be the place for college football sometimes. And my wife can't hear me talk about college football anymore. So we have to do it somewhere. Um, so the guys from Devi Marketplace and the Dynasty Draft Room got together um, to create a uh, Patreon place called the Draft Lounge, where we just hang out, talk about college football, do a podcast every week, try to answer as many questions as people have. Just want it to be that one-stop shop for people to just talk about college football all day long. Um, because that's what we're into, and we just want to talk about Debbie drafts. We want to talk about college football every night of the week so with other people so our wives don't yell at us. Um, and Dwight's actually a member of that, so big thanks to him for uh, signing up. But it's, it's really fun. We just want to talk about football with people that really enjoy talking about football. Well, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Pete Law, uh, doing stuff over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Okay, you know, Kane said it, man. Devi is the way to go. It's the future. It, you know, we're all addicted to this game of fantasy football, and Devi really just takes that up another notch. You know, talking about uh, college to Canton type leagues, it's it's a lot of fun, man. It's it's fun to watch these guys from the college, uh, you know, coming in, watching, you know, trying to trying to figure out who the next dude is at a high school. And then, you know, just the excitement of when they get drafted. So, yeah, it's like watching your kids grow up, man. I love it. <laughs> so, all right. You can find me 
on Twitter at FF People's Champ. Work at DLF as well. Not going to keep plugging, 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 but yeah, check out DLF if you don't have it. Like Kane said, lots of Debbie tools, lots of stuff added every every day. It seems like we have another tool being added. It's crazy. Uh, you can find this podcast at Debbie Manual, and we will talk to you guys probably in a couple weeks. So see you guys later. Yeah, they said like a minute, so. Wait, there's more? Don't forget about the Mountain West. The Mac that can flex. Somebody's next. Ivy League fresh. Literally dope. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test. Jeez.